Hi, I'm Sean L. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic, found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people with dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Yvonne Orji first came to our attention as Molly, Isa's best friend on Isa Ray's HBO series Insecure. The Nigerian-born actress and comedian hasn't let the end of Insecure keep her down, though. Since the series wrapped at the end of 2021, Orji has put out her first book, Bamboozled by Jesus, hosted the yearly Departed Comedy Special for Amazon Prime Video, hosted the International Emmy Awards, and hosted a reality dating show for HBO Max called My Mom, Your Dad. Orji sat down with me to talk about her second HBO stand-up comedy special, A Whole Me, what's changed in her life in the two years since her first special, Mama, I Made It, how she's able to separate her work from her worth, and how casting other actresses in her special is good for everyone. If you like this conversation, please consider subscribing to my Substack called Piffany at piffany.substack.com so you can read bonus commentary on this episode as well as more comedy news and insights. Thanks in advance, and now that that's out of the way, let's get to it! Let's get right into it. Um, how many questions? Uh, no, forget that. Uh, <laughs> I was going to ask you about uh, the British monarchy, you know, old, <laughs> old colonialism in Nigeria. I'm sure your, your parents have some thoughts on the nine hour queue to see the dead queen. <laughs> I'm just going to be laughing at how this started. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let me ask the next question, which is probably the the best segue. How old were you when you first tried therapy? Ooh, 2019. Oh, so recently. Recently. I tried, I did talk therapy um, until the beginning of this year when I switched over to EMDR. Right. Yeah, I mean, you you talk about it. There's a sketch. I even wanted to think that that was your roommate, Esther, playing the therapist, but that's Ah! not... But that's not Esther, right? That's somebody else. That's not That's the Nora Wolcott, who is phenomenal as a therapist. I, my manager was like, is that your real therapist? And I was like, no. <laughs> she, she's really good at her job. I was actually trying to get my real therapist to play the therapist, but she was not available. Um, okay. She was uh, therapizing. <laughs> so, well, for both of your HBO specials, this is your second one. For both of them, you know, you've added both sketch and documentary elements to them. Why is that so important for you to add those extra elements to your stand-up? So, well, we're not calling them sketches. They're vignettes because, you know, there's rules to sketches. And so I'm just like, when people are like, well, I didn't, it, it doesn't, they're, they're vignettes, they're skits, they're whatever you want to call them. Um, but in, because some are like a little bit more reflective and others mm-hmm. are like, oh, okay, that was funny. But for me, I'm always looking for how to do something differently than what's already been done, right? I'm like, people have comedy specials and like yes it's it, you can do the traditional standard one hour microphone boom and boom and go but I was like all right well what else can we do and I'm always looking I'm always asking what else you know how do I for this one I actually <laughs> what I actually sold to HBO um was this concept of like I want to do African and living color <laughs> that's what I <laughs> That's when I told them I wanted to do. So okay. that's why we have we have dancers because for those are my my Afrobeat fly girls, um, you know. And so the skits were just kind of in my mind, like, oh yeah, I'm gonna be basically be able to put 
um, some of my friends on. I was like, I know so many talented uh, artists um, and who just need a platform to shine. Like some people I met on, t- on Instagram and TikTok, I'm like, they are just giving their talent away for free. Let them come on this, you know, come on this show so I can you know, help them shine even more. And then HBO was like, yeah, that's great. We love that idea. Also stand up. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you're like no there needs to be more shady shola exactly that's what i thought i was like y'all still want that i thought i thought i sold it properly and so but then you know as as because they're right you know as as mm. we were doing um as we were writing and finalizing what the vignettes would be it was i had a moment of like well, what would i talk about and then i watched rathaniel like three mm. times the week it came out and I think just being able to see Gerard sit in such a vulnerable state and seeing him uh, open up, but also like like embrace the silence, embrace the uncertainty, embrace the like the very black church experience of call and response. And I was just like, yeah, I'm not going to do this if I don't have anything to say. That's of worth. Uh, and it wasn't that I was like, I'm going to set out to be deep like Gerard. That wasn't, mm-hmm. that's what, but it was like, <laughs> what, what am I really going to be talking about? Because I'm like, a lot has happened since the first special. And I really, I had one phone call. I wrote my special in a weekend because I had one phone call with a friend and I was like, yo, what, what have we been talking about the last two years? And because sometimes as a comic, I still forget stuff. I'm like, if I don't write it down, it don't exist. And mm-hmm. he was able to just jog my my mind about like deep conversations we've had or like things that were hard, like breakups that we both had. And I was like, oh my God. And I literally sat down and just had my notes section out. And it was like just a five hour writing session. And then from there, I was just like, uh, all right, well, this is too much to try and figure out how to make into a joke because that's actually not funny at all. Um, you know, and just, and just piecemealed it. And then by the time I was done, the, some of the themes that I w- we were already working on with the um, vignettes made its way into the stand-up portion. And for me, it was like, yo, I changed a lot. And, you know, my roommate, uh, <laughs> Esther, we had watched uh, Chappelle, Chappelle's documentary when it came out. Um, mm-hmm. at the Hollywood Bowl and you know in it he was talking to Michelle Wolf about like when she's really ready to um, talk about the stuff that she doesn't want to talk about like that's when she is going to really tap into a new part of her comedy and Esther turned to me and she was like that's going to be you too and I was like mm, okay everybody relax I'm okay I'm okay here and mm-hmm. so unbeknownst to me that's what I was I was subconsciously doing so when Esther actually saw the special in New York, she was like, I mean, I told you to go personal, but I didn't think you were going to go that personal. I was like, ho, this is all your fault. You know, so <laughs> it was hysterical. She was just like, I didn't think you, I didn't think you had it in you. I was like, why would you challenge me? You know, I'm still a Nigerian who likes competition and you, you challenged me to go deep. Mm-hmm. And I got, I got deep and that was too deep for you. What the hell? <laughs> um, but yeah, I think she, I think she knew um, what the healing journey was like for me in a lot of these different things. Like she saw the frustration with trying to, you know, at least sell the idea of estate planning. She saw how the friendship breakup like almost broke me. She saw the relationships ending. And so I think 
me being healed enough to talk about them in a way that doesn't set me back, but actually frees me and hopefully frees other people. I think that was when she was like, okay, you're about this. And I was like, I am. Yeah. And while, while you, you, spoiler alert, you didn't come out in, in whole me. Uh, you d- it does share a similar aesthetic to Ralph Daniel and that there, there is this very much black church call and response with the audience and now I know that that was intentional. You were you were hoping for that. Well, I wasn't like copying or mimicking. No, that. no, I don't. Yeah. I don't no. mean to accuse you of that. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, I mean, I think black people in general will mm-hmm. have a call and response when you don't even want. Like, I think it surprised <laughs> me because even mm-hmm. in especially, I'm like, Are y'all good? Like, I was talking <laughs> about myself. I didn't. I didn't know I was taking you to a place. But when we were on tour, we found that that was happening a lot. Like, I would say something like. You know, I, you know, I had to separate my work from my worth and uh, I'm, yeah. I'm ready to go into the bit and the whole crowd was like, mm. <laughs> and I was like, what in the hell? I need y'all to come, come with me because there's some jokes that, that, that still have to happen. But then I learned after that happened a couple of times, I was like, you know what? Let them have their moment. Let them have their moment with this because it is clear that you are not the only one that struggled with this young lady. And like, I don't know if someone has given them language to know that that's what is necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's catching them off guard right now. <laughs> so speaking of separating your work from your worth, I, I, I really want to know what it was like for you and Esther before you got insecure. I mean, I suppose you were insecure before you actually got booked the gig, right? Um, what it was like for us as like up and coming artists, um, yes, the, the struggling artist part before you got insecure, before she got yeah. uh, star and good girls and run the world. Yes, all of that. Um, you, you better do your research, Sean. Yeah, uh, <laughs> she definitely got credited uh, as the roommate extraordinaire. She's going to love this interview. She's like, I'm sorry, I'm on, I'm what? Oh, I'm on the fire. Yes, this is amazing. She's going <laughs> to love this one. No, it was, you know, it was definitely rough. But when you are experiencing something in real time with somebody, you know, I don't say the burden is lifted. I, I was so glad that we popped at the same time. Because one thing I didn't say in the special is literally weeks from me booking Insecure, she booked her first staff writing job. Okay. So it was like, there was no jealousy. It was like, this is what we've been working for. This is what we've been praying for. Like, when I talk about Sharon Salad, she was a PA on, um, in a writer's room. And she would call me. She was like, "You ordered lunch for a writer. He didn't show up. Um, if you're hungry, you gotta you gotta walk to Mendocino Farms though, and and collect it. If your new name is David." And I'm like, "Oh, okay, great." <laughs> you know, and I was like, I was, I literally walked a mile and a half to get to the Mendocino Farms to get the sandwich, and then walked a mile and a half back home. But I was like, "I'm gonna have food. I'm gonna have food." And that and that was what it was like. You know, we were both struggling, but we were little pops we looked out for each other um and you know she would come to my shows and she would be like I think that joke needs a little bit more work she's a writer so I'm just like but she's a drama writer but she still understands like comedy and so you know we just we just supported each other and it's so good to see us elevate in the way we have and in different lanes like and we're not trying to step on each other's toes but more than the work we have also been on similar healing journeys because this would be really rough to try and like become a whole me and then I'm like living with an old her mm-hmm. so it's great because like I said in the pandemic she was over here coloring she was tapping into her 
inner child. And I was like, what manner of foolery is this? Why do you be like, why do you get to love coloring? I was like, I don't know what I like. And do I have time to, you know, to find out what I like? And she was just like, yeah, you do. And I think you should. It'll help you be better all around, you know? And so it's like, we were able to sharpen each other um, beyond work and even in our, in, in our growth. So when Insecure finally wrapped, how did you then separate your work from your worth? Well, that was, that was when I really had to, right? That was when it was like, girl. And if I didn't, I probably would have been depressed. But um, so while Insecure, while we were shooting the fifth season of Insecure, I was also promoting my book coming out. And I had been writing the book while I was filming Vacation Friends, while, you know, working on season four and then promoting it while I'm finishing this really big chapter in my life. And realizing like, uh, I'm on set for 14 hours. I can only do but so, so much promotion. But we all know that how you promote a book helps a book succeed. And so I was just like, oh my God, God, did I just, did I ruin this? Like I worked so hard for this and now it's gonna come out. I can't promote it. It's gonna be a failure. And like my friends are like, you, you put pen to paper you it's a success because it's done like so many people start something and don't finish it so many people you know and and, and it's no shade whatsoever but they like outsource it to somebody else to write like you actually did it yourself like you knew what you wanted to say and you weren't selfish with the words that you were putting out there because you want other people who are you know on the come up themselves to like to tap into what it means to be bamboozled but know that like it's going to work out this is a success and i was just like hmm I don't know if I believe it yet. And I didn't. There was, there was, there was a great pep talk, but I was like, mm, I don't know. I don't trust it. I still wanted to make all the lists. I wanted to sell a million copies. Mm-hmm. And when I realized, and you know, and I had therapy sessions and I realized, you know what? They're right. They're right. There's nothing. I, I, I can do nothing else at this point. I've done everything. And this, I have to accept that this was purpose led. This was purposeful. And so whatever will come from this, I need to sit with being okay with it and it was a struggle it wasn't because I was like if it if it fails okay quote-unquote fails what does that say about me and it was like well what is a failure and I had to like re like I had to have a new relationship with some of these words Mm -hmm. that we just say what's a failure what's a success and um in February of this year so the book came out May of 2000 um 2021 February 2022 I got an email from my uh, editors and I'm like are you all tracking the growth of Yvonne's book so often books just go straight up and then goes down but hers kind of started down and is going up through word of mouth um <laughs> and so it's like a success now and I'm like what you know but it was like if I didn't sit in the whatever will happen will happen I don't know that I would have appreciated that moment I suppose it, ha- it has helped that you've continued to book work in front of the camera whether it was hosting Yearly Departed on another streaming service or uh, My Mom, Your Dad. You know, people have still been able to see you on screen and go, oh, yeah, I want to I want to find out more about what what this woman is talking about. And the thing about it, too, is like all of those things are on brand. Right. So my mom and your dad came because like they were like, we want somebody who like I was like, not wholesome, but like who appreciates like family friendly content. And I was like me. <laughs> you know, you know, and it was just kind of like, and again, things that I talked about in the book, the things that I talked about, you know, on interviews 
And it's just kind of like, it, it all is me. So is it a success? Absolutely, because it leads to the next thing. And then the next thing leads to the next thing. So it's like, you can't, you can't look at things in a silo. And I think as a child of immigrants, that's all we look at. What is this one thing doing? And it's like, ah, I don't know, <laughs> you know? But if you look at the whole, mm-hmm. it actually did a lot. It did a lot. Uh, how, do your, how do your parents feel about being portrayed by actors? They haven't seen that part of the special yet. They have, they, they, have, they don't know. They haven't seen okay. that. <laughs> um, I, uh, I, know, I know this is an HBO-sponsored uh, chit-chat, but can you just briefly tell me what you got out of uh, being around the other women for year, Yearly Departed? Oh, that was, that was just phenomenal because there's something about being around all women, right? So female comics, female director, female writers. It was just like female camera operators. Um, it was just like, oh, we, there are lesions of us. And it was the thing of, hey, Hollywood, if you're trying to figure out where to, you know, where are these women that we can hire? They're right here. They're actually all right coming to this room. Like, knock on the door. Come on, knock on our door. We <laughs> you know, so it's like here. And I love that. I love that um, they weren't afraid. Rachel and the whole team, they were not afraid to, to say, we are women. Here we are. We're funny. We're smart. We're beautiful. Yeah. You've also been able to be part of that with Black Lady Sketch Show, too, right? I did. I did season one of a Black Lady Sketch Show. And now, oh, my God, I think, what are they, three, four with all the Emmy wins? They're just Robin and Co. and Issa. They're knocking that out of the ballpark. Uh, we've talked a little bit about therapy and, and EDMR. Does this mean you read uh, The Body Keeps the Score? Oh my god, I had that book upstairs. <laughs> so I have the body. I have I have the book upstairs. I have not finished reading it because what time do I have? But it was ordered. Because... I'm sorry, you have to talk to me, and then you can go back to reading. Yes, but yes, the body keeps the score um, because in addition, so it's so crazy because I, I have chronic pain, and I, you know, and especially I talk about how like it, your pain is trapped in the body, and we I had one session with EMDR, and when we like really went into something that I, I wasn't prepared to I was I'm still making excuses for why I was like yes this person may have hurt me but like this is why and you know I'm just being very um just understanding of like where they were in their life and my therapist is like understood also can we also accept the fact that they also hurt you and I'm like okay and when I allowed myself to really feel that pain without making excuses for their behavior I let out a scream. Like, I, like my neighbors might have thought I was in uh, a slasher movie, okay? I let out a scream that I have not scrapped ever in my life. <laughs> and when I tell you, I had more range of motion in my neck after that, that session. Like, it released something that had been just tight, you know, because, you know, you're holding all the tension. Mm-hmm. I called her the next day. I was like, I can move my neck. She was like, I was hoping that you would get some release after our session. I was like, this whole time, I thought it was because I had not, I've been spending money on, on uh, massages and deep tissue massages. I just had to scream. She was like, no, you didn't just scream. You had to release the hurt that was trapped in your body. Uh, I know we're running out of time. So speaking of releasing tension, have you already pitched HBO or Warner Brothers on a reboot of the 40 year old virgin? I have not because I'm not going to get there. <laughs> That's not going to be my testimony. That's not going to be my life. That's not going to be, y'all. <laughs> Sorry. Nope. That's not. 
Not at all what I signed up for. No. <laughs> no. But African and living color, yes. Okay. Well, you know, I know there's there's new people in charge now that it's Discovery, Warner Brothers, plus, 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 <laughs> Max. <laughs> plus, 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 Max. That's hysterical. Yeah, but I think there's room for African and living color. I think so, too. And I hope that when people see the special on October 1st, they'll be like, huh. I mean, we already got Afrobeat dancers as the, as the new Fly Girls, you know. We're already there. We're already there. And I know Shady Shola is in, so. Listen, Shady Shola is her own character. You know, it's her, she's her own situation. I'm like, there's, there's Debbie Downer. Now there's mm-hmm. Shady Shola. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't, don't let her steal the whole special from you, though. Listen, I was the whole point of the special was to put other people on. Like, I'm not, I'm not an artist. It's funny because working with Issa, she's very comfortable with putting people around her that she's like, they're great, and I just want them to be great. And it's mm-hmm. and, and, and knowing like it's still my show. You can't steal it from me. It's it's still my <laughs> show. You know what I mean? But at the same time, I want people to think you're great because like, what is the point of putting people on? That people are like, eh, they weren't great. I just want to see more of Yvonne. Like, that's not it. Like, I, Chi Girl, who plays Shady Shola, I'm in, th- I literally was like, you gotta leave Lagos. And I was like, you gotta, like, she flew in from Nigeria to be a part of the special. And I was like, you're going to be a star. Pack your bags because when the special comes out, this is going to happen for you. And, I, and, and she was like, what? And I was like, because why wouldn't? And I produce the Shady Shola spinoff. We're all making money. <laughs> <laughs> so you know when you're just like don't let her steal it from me i hope people love it i hope people love her because i think that needs to be a bigger show um and i believe that much in her that i put her in my special like you you can't steal what's mine baby it's already mine <laughs> well yvonne thank you so much for for taking time with me while you're still uh willing to do zoom junkets so i, I really appreciate it <laughs> i appreciate you sean and again i'm gonna make sure esther sees this one because this is the only interview she's gonna really love <laughs> doing it for esther thank you so much This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was post-produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music was by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. If you enjoyed listening, please check out my substack called Piffany at piffany.substack.com for transcripts, bonus commentary, and expert analysis about comedy, show business, and more. I'm your host, Sean O. McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.